Okay. Live in the days of heaven here on earth. This won't let me go. So I won't let it go. I will press on until we see the manifestation of heaven on earth in our lives. Amen. So we see Christ established. We see the river flowing. We see healing breaking out. Serious healings. We need to see healing. serious healings breaking out. You know, you think, well, you talk about it and you don't see it. It's the talking about it that brings it. Faith comes by hearing. So we keep talking until faith comes. And as faith comes, it comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So one day you hear, you've heard someone say something a thousand times. And then on the thousand and first, he goes, yeah, that's it. I understand it now. Once you were blind, now you can see. You know, this week in our authentic sonship groups, one of the questions, question six, which I deliberately wrote, knowing that it would create a wee bit of conversation and confusion, so it would give me an option to, so don't worry if you didn't understand it, it's, it was deliberately written for that. I achieved my purpose. And um, normally I can write and confuse myself, but when I write and understand it and I confuse everybody else, I, I didn't seek to confuse, I, I sought to stir. Because God is not a God of confusion. Amen? And, um, and we took it from the scripture that, for those who wasn't there, it's your fault. <laughs> but Romans talks about, we are receiving grace and apostleship. So, I picked up on that thought. I said, I want to pick up on that thought this morning. Talking about the, the days of heaven on earth. And I asked our group, what is it they think, or I should say, let me phrase it this way. What is it they like about the Dream Center? So they all went round in a group and you win. And I was amazed. They all came out with great answers. <laughs> what I mean by that is, none of them said me. <laughs> it's you, Pastor, it's you, it's you. I thought, that's good, they're not, they're not, it's not me. That's good that it's not me. Um, I'll get my reward in heaven, don't worry. But they all like, they all said different qualities that, they, that struck them. And, and you know, all of them were spiritual qualities. Not one of them said, you know, I like, I like the way they shake my hand when I walk through the door. No, that's important. But that's not going to keep you. That's first impression. That's not going to keep you in the church. If you need a, a, a nice warm handshake every time you come through the door, then Lord, we're going to have to grow a little bit. We're going to have to go a little bit deeper, aren't we? Hello? Uh, I like the warm handshake. I've had a lot of handshakes as I've walked through church's door. I've had the billy the fish. You know, that one, that, like the wet fish that's dying in someone's hands. That's not a handshake. It's almost like you get your finger and shake it. I think, what the heck was that? What they're saying is, I have to do it, but I don't like you. Or I don't want to be here. So they asked me, you know, they gave me different answers, and which I thought was tremendous. And... They were all spiritual qualities of which greatly, greatly impressed me. And I don't need to tell you because it's our group. Amen. What comes out in our group comes out in our group. Goes on tour, stays on tour. So, but I was greatly impressed, like I said. And, but well, it got me thinking, many people look for many things in churches. But not many looked and do look for the qualities that I was hearing in those people. You could see there was maturity in our group. There was maturity coming from some of our folks in the comments that was, was being made. And because they were thinking about 
why they particularly need a church. And it pleased me that they wasn't just looking for the superficial, the, the handshake, the greeting. Like I say, we're not minimizing them, absolutely, or we wouldn't have them. But what we're saying, that can't be the reason why we stay in the church. We've got to be looking for things. Can we grow? Can we grow here? What are the dynamics that make me grow? See, because we can, have a, we can go to church anywhere. And you see, people always say, I'm looking for a warm, friendly church. That isn't, the, that isn't to our credit. If you say warm and friendly, that isn't to our credit. You say, well, shouldn't it be warm and friendly? Yes. But that's not the hallmark of us. Warm and friendly. In fact, do you know the Bible hates warm? The Bible doesn't like warm and it doesn't like cool. Our generation like cool. But the Bible doesn't like warm. In fact, in Revelation it says... Revelation 3.16, so because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So that can't be good. So we don't want to have a lukewarm church. We don't have a cool church. I understand what the, the, the generation is trying to say when it's cool, but that's not cool. If it's so cool, we'll be frozen. Lukewarm changes nothing. I don't know how you like your tea, but I like my tea hot. I don't know how you like your soup, but I like my soup hot. I don't know how you like your food, but I hate warm food. I like it hot. And I like to blow it so it becomes cool, but my cool. Yeah? I don't know babies. Every time, you know, when people put the baby food in and it's cold and the kids just go, and you see, oh. I'm thinking, make the baby food hot. Not Obviously, you can't give a baby hot food. But the only thing you can have cold is ice cream. It's official. Whatever. You know, some people eat rice pudding cold. Oh, demonic. You can't eat rice pudding cold. It's not right. You know, it's just not right. It's, oh. Have a word with yourself. <laughs> so, no rice pudding. Okay? Or is it ice pudding? <laughs> but if I was to put a... In fact, I haven't got one here. I had a tuning fork. It's gone. But if I had a tuning fork and I hit it, you would hear a sound resonating from the tuning fork. Now, unless you were musical, you wouldn't know what key that was. Okay? You'd just hear a sound. Now, if depending, if I'm trying to tune everybody in this room to this tuning fork, I hit it, we all, yeah, we all say, trying to get to the, to the tune. But, you see, one of the things is, is when you, well, the songs we sing, the way, because after a while, a musician knows the key in his head. So he knows to sing the song in the right key so the music can just follow at that key. But anybody who doesn't know music, and and the keyboard player saying, there isn't enough keys on this keyboard to find what you're playing. That's what happens when you're not tuned to a certain frequency. Amen? So you can go to many churches and each church has got a different frequency. Yes? A different frequency. Some are in, most congregations sing in the key of G. You don't know it, just take my word. You sing. And we change... According to our voices, not the way the song's written. 
And you can always sell a, uh, a piano song because they write them in weird keys. Guitarists are not real musicians. I, I'm saying that as one. I don't think I'm not a guitarist, but we play and we have a thing called capo. We can move up and down. But for real musicians, they've got to transition and transpose music so they can play, right? So you always know when a pianist has written a song because us guitarists have to have the magic capo what comes on. So when you see a thing on the end of guitar, that's what it does. It's changing. Now, the real musicians have to transpose. So when you come into a church, if I'm the key of G and you've been used to a key of A, or you've had that many churches, you've got the alphabet, right? When you come into a church, you're looking for something different. You're looking for a noise, but you don't know what it is. But over time, God begins to tune your heart to a specific frequency. Does that make sense? Some will say, word of faith. Some will say, deliverance is a frequency. Some will say worship is a frequency. And you can rattle on all you want about them. But people's hearts have to be tuned into heaven. Heaven has a frequency. And despite a lot of churches making a lot of noise and doing a lot of things, they have not set their hearts to heaven. Because heaven's playing at a certain frequency. And it's not going to change for you or for me. That's why we must find out in the spirit, the mind of God. And when we find the mind of God, we track him, we track his movements, and then we tune our hearts to his frequency. Now that takes prophetic ministry. You understand this? Prophetic ministry, someone who can come in and speak what God is saying because he's captured his mind, captured his heart from the other side. He brings it down, speaks it to you, so he can connect with you. He can connect your heart to his heart. That takes a frequency. Not every preacher can do that. Not every preacher can do that. So in the dream center, we have deliberately pursued God's heart so that we can find the frequency that heaven is, is uh, you know, sending out so that we can capture that and work with that. And when you capture heaven's frequency, all the doors in that key begin to open up. Does that make sense? So if we need healing, and the key of, for healing is the key of H, make it easy. Deliverance, key of D. Catch my meaning now. But it's not a key of D or H, it's, a, it's called a key, key of heaven. So as we pursue God in those areas, God begins to tune our hearts till we get a breakthrough in that area. And then we step through. Now, other churches may, be, may have already accelerated, maybe beyond that. They may have already found that key for healing. Where others haven't even found the key for greeting. Yeah? So Billy the Warmfish has got a ministry for the rest of his days. So, but in church, it's quick. We've got to be able to quickly tune everyone's hearts to heaven. We only have a certain time when we meet in the morning to tune our hearts to heaven so we can hear what heaven's saying so that all through the week we can stay on that frequency. Does that make sense? Because now when we go and listen to other people, many and varied, the keys begin to change and we lose where we was. Yes? Like I say, most songs we write are key in the key of G. Why? That's for your benefit. 
Because you, you'd be strangling, you'd be sounding like a, a gale in the night. Rather than sounding like a, a nightingale, you'd sound like a gale in the night. So we do it for ease. Does that make sense? So, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, listen to what it says. Now, it's talking about tongues here, but I'm going to use it, and I'm going to further its context. In 1 Corinthians 14, 7, it says, Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds. So, that, how many of you know in churches, there's a lot of lifeless things making a lot of sounds? Yeah? It's amazing. You go to churches, noise, 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 crash, bang, wallop. But you can't hear God. There's no sensitivity of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. But they think noise is what God wants. He wants sound, not noise. And you say, well, you're just getting older. Well, observant. Of course I'm getting older. So are you. Do you know, I can get a PPI claim for someone who damages my ears. I come into church and the music banging. You think, I can't even hear God. Never mind, feel sensitive to him. God's not after noise, God's after sound. God does not make a noise. He makes a sound. And it's that sound that, we, that carries a frequency. You must distinguish the difference between noise and sound. He says, in the case, even in the case of lifeless things that make a sound, such as the flute or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? So what makes this church different from any other? I said different, not better. It depends what your heart is looking for. There's something inside your heart that is looking for something. And when you find your place, that's your frequency. Yes? You can try many shoes. But then you find a pair that fit you, and you like them, and, all he, and the shoes in you become one. Unless it's your wife, and she's never happy with one pair of shoes. She's looking, it's like the holy grail of shoes. But blokes, we find one or two pair of shoes, and we say, you are for life and godliness. <laughs> Amen? The wife says, not on my shift. So... Once you become, once you step into that place and find your place, you think there's something about this place that we, we are drawn to. We like it. You haven't got language for it at that point. You just think there's something about this place. The people are warm and friendly. First of all, you go through the superficial stuff because that's important. People, you know, uh, greeting you, showing to your seat, all that kind of stuff. We need that kind of stuff. But that's, we're going to go deeper than that. And then you start thinking, there's something about this place. Then you start realizing that your destiny is now dependent upon where you are. You start hearing God speak to you in different ways than you've ever heard him before. The word gets clearer. Why? Because the frequency in the atmosphere is clearer. There's not as much confusion going on. You've tried a lot of things, but there's something about this place that you think, this place... It does something to me every time I come. See, that's, but that's, but at this point, you're still, connect, you're disconnected from it. But then, the sun, it grabs your heart and then you become part of it. Then you become the frequency. Does that make sense? So there's a time, there's a time when the frequency is on the outside, but then there's a time when the frequency has to come on the inside. And you see, because people don't understand this, they just change churches. So they've gone through the alphabet. 
Nothing ever works. They never seem to go, They never seem to develop. They never seem to grow. They never seem to mature. They, they don't understand certain things. And they're always wandering in the wilderness. Because the heart has never been captured. And the frequency has never been established inside them. They know a lot. They know a bit of this and they know a bit of that. They've got a bit of Monica, a bit of Jessica, like the song says. They've got a bit of everything. Mumba, number 45. Mumba jumbo, more like it. But nothing's been set inside the hearts. And this is why God brings us to a place where God can set his, his frequency in our hearts. So let's pick up a distinction of notes. Not every church carries that distinction of sound. And again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for the battle? See, not every church, not every ministry can mobilize its people for the battle. Because our Bible clearly tells us that we are in a spiritual battle. Our battle is not flesh and blood. So we're not fighting people. We're fighting principalities, rulers in the heavenly realms. That's why every high thing must come down. Right? Where, where maybe other, other religions or Islam fights people. Our Bible tells us our fight is not against people. It's about other ruling factors in the heavenly realms. Right? If they could just understand that, there'd be a lot more peace on earth. And no bloodshed. Yes? There is, God is not pleased by bloodshed. He said, by everything, prayer and petition, make your request known. We do everything through the Spirit. Because that's the frequency that God has set in His church. We fight spiritual battles, not physical battles. Amen? That's why your brother can wind you up, but he's not your enemy. And that's why all the nations can sit in one house. Why? Because we're not looking at our color or our creed or our background or our culture. We're set to a higher frequency. Amen? And we've got to understand this, that in church, only church can do that. Only God in his kingdom can take races and faces and put them together in one house and call them brother and sister. How can you be in a apartheid nation, right, and call someone of the opposite culture, opposite color, brother? Brother is not a black thing. Brother is a Bible thing. So when I call myself, when I call, you know, a, a black brother, a brother, I don't call him a black brother, I call him brother. Color's not my issue. The frequency is the issue because it takes everything out of culture. Culture's selfish. Culture don't think about anyone but itself. You know when you travel how much culture's inside of you. You look for your food. I look for my British newspaper. I look for my eggs and bacon. I look for my cup of tea. And it better have milk. But then you go to a hot country and milk doesn't sit well with them. So, and I'm, I'm reminded every time I travel, you are not British. You are not British. I'm not James Bond. I'm not, I'm not Brooke Bond. I am Kingdom. So if fufu's on the table, fufu is what we get to eat. Amen? If there's cornflakes in the morning, I am blessed. But if there's fish in the morning, we might skip to dinner. You go to Denmark, you might get fish in the morning. Right? Yeah, see? So you have to have a, an apostolic stomach that sets to all frequencies. 
Mine goes pass, 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 pass. Are we near home yet? Right, okay. <laughs> you learn to eat differently. That's why Andy, you can take Andy anywhere. Andy's got a world stomach. It spins. There's not many things Andy won't eat. Not many things he won't eat. So it's easy for him. I got to learn, I got to take fasting as a lifestyle. It's not quite like that, but. But not every church can mobilize its people for the battle. We are geared up to sit and listen, but we're not geared to go and do. And it takes a different frequency to be able to get all the people's hearts to mobilize them for the battle. See, authentic sonship is our discipleship training because we have decided we will not stay and sit any longer. And if you want a church where you can sit, sit, I can't say it, sit and stay, this is not your house. Because this frequency is going to make you feel uncomfortable. Because we've got work to do. Kingdom work to do. Amen? So this house is, general, is, is more and more becoming a place where we don't sit. We gather on a Sunday or we gather when we gather. But through the week we'll be doing other things. Amen? And we'll be having life as well and family. It won't all be church. We've never done that. So not every church can mobilize its people for the battle. So let's pick up verse 9. So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words, there's the frequency, with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? So there has to be a frequency to communicate with. Excuse me, because if everything I'm saying is coded, I'm never going to help anyone. So my prayer has always been, in fact, I have five prayers I, I, you know, that I wrote down many years ago. And I said, Lord, I will pray these prayers because I can see these are serious. And one of them was to give me a frequency that captures the heart of men. To turn them around, to connect them to God. Because you don't just want to be a preacher. You want to be a stirrer of men's hearts. When I say men, I mean people. Why? Because we want to motivate them, we want to capture them, we want to empower them, we want to transfer into them. Why? Because our Father needs them. Labourers in the field. But we've sat and we've sat and we've sat and we've sat and we've listened and we've heard, we've received, we've, we've, we've cried, we've laughed, we've shaken, we've rattled, we've rolled and still we have not gone. How self-indulgent have we become? Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You'll just be speaking into the air. Wow. I was in church where that was my witness for many years. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world. There are many languages in here. But you know, there can only be one language in the house. It's called God. And God, the frequency of God has to become our language. It has to be his language and now everyone will say, well, we all speak God. No, we don't. See, you go into the children's department, you'll hear our language. You go into the youth, it's deep in there. You go into the youth, they're speaking our language. That's what gives us the grace to hold all the generations. They, the children's workers and Paul, they find out what I'm saying and they translate that into their various people. So that our kids are being raised on the meat that you're being fed on. Amen? 
something that we decided we'd do a long time ago. So, undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker and he is a foreigner to me. So there has to be a gift and a grace to set the language, create the frequency, set the frequency, bring everybody to that frequency. That takes a language, that takes a grace to do that. Do we understand that? That takes a grace on a church. You see, what stops what we're saying and doing become a foreign language is in one sense is that when we all tap onto the frequency, we all learn a new language. When anyone comes into a church, what is new into a church, the language is the, is the obstacle. Because there's certain language that's used that if you come from a key of F, you're thinking, I don't understand what you're saying. Or you've not come at all. If, you, if it's the first time you've come and you've, you've just got born again, everything's new. In fact, that's a lot easier to tune someone to someone who's not been a Christian to a Christian than to someone who's been to church after church after church. They've been to Alphabet Zoo. Yeah? It's a lot easier to, to get an unsaved person and tune them. It takes revelation and knowledge and wisdom to be able to build Christ into the lives of people so that the key of Christ is, is built into them. Amen? It's done via a frequency. Heaven must release its grace to us to do that. Or every week we'll just be speaking something to make you laugh, make you cry, make you rattle. But we need something to hold the people. Amen? So when the day of Pentecost came, it says in Acts chapter 2, here's heaven's frequency carried by the early church. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, so there's a day that came when they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, see, not a noise. A sound. It wasn't a noise, it was a distinct sound. What was that sound? Sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from where? Heaven. It came from heaven. This is where the frequency must come. It can't come from music. It can't come from us just shouting. It can't come from us just dancing, making a lot of noise. It must come from heaven and rest in the lives of people. So when the day of Pentecost came and a sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled, what did it do? It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Sounds like church to me. Where they were all sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So now heaven's frequency is resting on on the people through the Spirit. Amen? Some people will allow it to rest on them through the meeting and then they'll push it off when they go out the door. But look what happens here. Look what happens. And all of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So when you speak in your spiritual language, that is a key that the Holy Spirit has given you to connect to heaven. So heaven knows all the notes. 
So when it hears the believer on the earth speaking in that tongue, it recognizes the frequency and it allows access. Does that make sense? So it's lo- loads of melodies. You imagine uh, uh, people speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden it's almost like a melody, a symphony, and the Holy Ghost is there, and he's saying, yeah, that's our frequency, we recognize that. Because there's loads of, there's millions of frequencies that God's given in the Spirit. Amen? Now, if I was speaking in English, and someone was speaking in Swahili, you and I wouldn't have a clue what we're saying. I'm speaking, they're speaking, I wouldn't have a clue what Swahili, what Swahili sounds like, and, and uh, they might not understand what English sounds like. But God can understand, he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you a universal translator, it's called the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost, ever seen Star Trek? You all got a little badge on? So when someone speaks, they can all understand each other. You've got to get back to Star Trek. Come on. This is the gospel according to Tony Picard. Okay? The little badge, you just touch it, and universal translator. And whenever you go on the ship, you can speak to all the Klingons, you can speak to all the aliens, and you're all speaking in your mother tongue, but everyone can understand each other. How awesome is that? That's what God's got. Right? So when the language of the Spirit... That is the language, God's listening to his own language in these tribes and tongues of people. Amen? As the Spirit enabled them. So, let's pick it up. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, or they were staying in in Jerusalem, some God-fearing people from every nation under heaven. So heaven's involved again. Under heaven. You must see this. When they heard this, Sound, again, sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment. Oh. Each of them heard them speaking in his own language. So now the Holy Ghost has put the universal translator on the people outside. Yeah? So let's just say we've got some Swahili, you don't call them Swahilians, but some Swahilians walking past. We've got some French-speaking people in this area. We've got all different kinds. They're walking past the door. In fact, Eve... Many, many years ago, was walking past the church and heard a sound and came in and had a look. That's how he got here. Is that true? See? He heard a sound. And he comes in. Mm, see what's going on in there. Has a look. Magnifique, magnifique. He's in. So he heard something. So if all those nations were walking past the door... And they could, we were speaking in tongues, but they could hear what we were saying. Do you not think that they would come in? Of course they would. How did they, how's this white man speaking my language? Hey, Holy Ghost. That's what it was, Holy Ghost. This is what happened here, so let's pick it up a minute. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans, then how is each of them, how come each of us hears them in his own native language? Here, here we go. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus of Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue amazed and perplexed as you would be they asked one another what does this mean now you see they're asking the question 
To do nothing is wrong. To do something is right. They go in and ask, what does this mean? Why am I hearing a white man speak my language? And how come I can hear him declaring the wonders of God? Do you think God's up to something? Of course he is. Heaven's involved. Heaven is doing an outreach program. The frequency of heaven was resonating in the church. There was a frequency that was inside the church that was resonating beyond the wall. Hello? So when we pray together in our building in the spirit prayer nights, we don't need to be on the street for, our, for society to hear us. We carry a frequency. And if we carry heaven's frequency, wherever we pray, don't worry. It will make its way to where it needs to go. If the king is in his palace, you would never get in. Would you not? Without an invite. But when you pray, the word of the Lord goes into his palace and speaks to him while he's on his bed. You don't have to work out the technology. It works. If God has to send a bird, he'll send a bird to tweet, to twerp, whatever they do. To tweet, yeah, he'll tweet. He'll send the king a tweet. And the, the king would understand it. God will do what he can do. When heaven's involved, there are no boundaries. You must understand this, church. So let's look at the, let's look at the effect of this frequency. In Acts chapter 16, so the Holy Ghost has broke out. Heaven's involved in the early church. We fast forward the scene. So Acts chapter 16. As they travel from town to town, listen. All this, I'm talking about grace and apostleship. Why do we need it? As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. So the church has got a frequency. It's receiving grace and apostleship. Amen. So now in Acts chapter 16 verse 4, they're traveling, they're moving around, they're doing ministry in the city, going from town to town. And now they're delivering the same frequency that's captured them in the upper room. They're now delivering it to all the churches in the towns they visit. And look what happens. It has the ability to capture those who are listening to it. It has the same power to capture them so they will come to the obedience of that word. You seeing this? As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they grew. So the result of those churches were growing was what frequency they captured. The frequency that they captured was grace and apostleship. That's what made the church grow. They weren't sat there just, you see, these were a group of people who were sat, but once they heard, they were willing to get off their blessed assurance and go. Yeah? For those who don't know what blessed assurance means, your backside. Make it real clean, clear. It's in the small print here. Get off your backside. Bracketed the word of the Lord. 
When we live with heaven's frequency over our lives, the word will never be lacking in the house or in the people. When we live with heaven's frequency over our lives, the word of God will never be lacking in the house and never be lacking in the people. When? You see, this is why there's such a lack of the word of God in people's lives, even though they've been to church for 20, 30 years. They can't tell you much. They don't know much. Why? Because they haven't grown. Because they've sat to listen rather than to receive and do. So you think you're being smart. You think you're being religious. You think you're being, well, you are religious. You think you're being spiritual. But in fact, you're not. And the Bible tells us in the book of James, be careful of those who only want to hear what the rich in ears want to hear. Because there's hearers. But James challenges us not to be hearers only, but to be doers of what we hear. So this is why it's so important that we tune everything in the house to the frequency of heaven. So heaven can move. We can't just have heaven move on a Sunday. That's called Sunday. You know, we give us another six days. I was next door to Irene yesterday. The, the seventh day of Ventus came. And I think this woman turned white when she saw me park outside the door. So I, thought she, I think she thought that we were getting a new convert. She said, you're you not coming in, are you? <laughs> well, you're not coming in, are you? Hey, I wanted to wind her up then. Part of me said, well, yeah, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm, com- I'm coming to take over. <laughs> she said, I said, what church is it? And she looks at me and she said, what do you mean, what kind of church is it? So I said, is it Pentecostal? Is it, is it this? Is it that? She went, Seventh-day Adventist. She says, do you believe in that? I said, nah. She said, why don't you? I said, six days is good enough for me. <laughs> she looks at me. And I'm like, I'm going to wind her in here. I'm just going to play with her. I'm going to play with her. Because she, was, she wasn't open up. She wasn't really expecting visitors. So how much, how much future do you think they've got in their church when they can't even greet someone? So when heaven... When we live under heaven's frequency, our lives and the word will never be lacking in the house and the people. Amen? You see, when there are people this week in Authentic Sonship in our group that gave us their reasons and their stuff, I'm summarizing, not specifically because that's ours. Summarizing. They said, we like the word that is uncontaminated. Right? We like the fact that we have spiritual people And spiritual young people. Spiritual qualities. We like the fact that we don't feel pressure to follow what everyone else is doing. That we feel feel free to do what God is speaking to us as the church. Amen? So So we're not running another soup kitchen. Why? Because there's others doing it. And they're doing it better than we can do it. So let them do it. Yeah? We, you know, these qualities... All these were spiritual qualities. Not one of them said we like the cafe. They're not saying they don't like the cafe. That's not a spiritual quality. Yeah? Not one of them turned around and said, well, we like the fact that we've got a crash. Not one of them said, I like the fact that we've got something for our kids. No, they're, they're benefits. Their benefits have been connected to a frequency. Some people will look for a crash when they go to church, so it's their baby, so it becomes a babysitting service. But all the people in our group wanted spiritual qualities. They wanted to grow. And what they're saying is that the bread's on the table. Heaven's open, the bread's on the table, the wine's flowing. That's, that's a sign of heaven. 
When we live with an open heaven, the Holy Spirit becomes our leader. He must become the leader. We don't get to choose what we're doing anymore. He's our leader. Last week we saw Rachel go in the, in the baptism. What she's saying is, you are now my Christ. You are now my Lord. You are now my King. Holy Spirit, you're my leader. That's what baptism is. Show me now. Teach me your ways. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name and follow your will. Holy Ghost has got, got a leader. She never, if she never catches into that, all she did was got wet. It's a life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And how do we follow that way, the truth, the life? By following the Spirit. Because the Spirit tells us what the Father's saying. So, Acts chapter 8, if you will. Heaven's involved. The Spirit's moving. The frequency's set in the hearts of the people. They're receiving grace and apostleship. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. And the Spirit told Philip. So who's involved? Spirit is now connecting with Philip. Philip is connecting with the Spirit. The Spirit told Philip. So who's leading? Who's following? Right. So when the Spirit speaks to us, we follow. But the Spirit must be speaking. Why? Because our hearts have set to the frequency. So this is what he says. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So he was very specific where he told Philip to go and what to do. Yes? Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, I said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. So the, the, the Ethiopian doesn't know the frequency. He hasn't got the frequency. Philip is being led by the Spirit. Philip's got the frequency and he's drawn to a David. Because God sees that he's searching for it, he just doesn't understand it. There's a difference. He searches for it, but he doesn't understand it. So God comes to him through Philip. So God will align you in your life. He'll align so many Ethiopians in your life if you'll just follow and listen to the voice of the Spirit. So last week when I'm speaking to these two, these engineers, and I'm they're in my role play, I'm listening, thinking this is my this is my opportunity. They've invited me into their chariot. So now I'm speaking. Yesterday I'm at the back with one of the guys, and I'm listening to a guy tell me his story of how he was a bank robber. All his life, a bank robber. He was an under he was an underground criminal in our in our nation, right? And he's telling me. They're telling me, and I'm thinking this is golden. This. This is golden. I'm just being placed in front of criminals. I mean, engineers. This is great. I'm loving the opportunity to tell people about Christ. See, when you don't have to force it, it's a joy. Because I don't know if they're ready to receive it, but at least I'm there. If the Holy Ghost says, here's another one, I'm in. It's just being available. It's having the frequency on your life so when someone speaks, you're ready to talk. You say, well, I don't know a lot. You just need to know, just tell them what you know. You can't tell them what you don't know. And when do you ever know enough? You know, when does there come a point when you say, I've learned everything now? It's called PhD. You ain't PhD. In God, you never know enough. That's why we trust the Holy Spirit to speak.
And when you don't know enough, ask the Holy Spirit to show you something in their life. It's amazing how quick you can get to somebody and say, you know, I just feel the Holy Spirit saying to me, you've had this pain in your life, you've had that, 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 and all of a sudden you see them change. Ooh, that's... How do you know that? Have you been reading my emails? No, the Holy Ghost has just told me. What do you mean the Holy Ghost? What, is he right? Yeah, that's not the point. Now you've just read their bio data. Are you ready for that, church? Then Philip began, verse 35. Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So he earthed the frequency. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and he saw Rachel. Rachel said, hey, here's some water. Why shouldn't I, why shouldn't I be baptized? So she gets in and he gives, she, gives, she gives orders to allow him in the chariot. So both Philip and Rachel went down to the water and they got baptized. So last week, it was a Philip in the water. Ah, it was a Philip in the water. So Philip and Chris baptized Rachel. Amen. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So who's involved again? The Holy Ghost is involved. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Wow. When the Holy Ghost is involved, people will always end up rejoicing. Amen. They'll always end up. But you've got to get the Holy Ghost and heaven involved. You've got to. So I'm giving you the one heaven. When we live under an open heaven, we serve a higher purpose than our own. We serve a higher purpose than our own. So the frequency must set everything in the house, set everyone in the house, so we'll begin to live on a higher plane. It's no longer my needs, my will. It's now your will be done as it is in heaven, so it shall be done on the earth. There's a higher purpose now taking me beyond my circumstances. I feel like my life is now meaning something. I feel like my life is now going somewhere. I feel like it's got some purpose and power and meaning to it. That's the church. That's what church should be. It should be. In Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said... It wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. The tables can, can symbolize social works. There was a need. We're all for being around the right need. Look around our city. There are many needs. If you turn the TV on, how many needs do you see? When you see sport relief, children in need... How many needs do you see? Well, then they go into Africa and they show us Africa. And how many needs do we see? Millions and millions and millions of needs. True? Do you have enough money to fill every hole? Right. So is it, more, is it not more important then to find out what the Holy Ghost is doing? And where he's leading? You see, the TV evangelist will take all your money. The Holy Ghost will just take what he needs. Yeah? It's better to put our money in the right place where God is moving with the right people than to try and send money to everywhere. Does it not make sense? Of course it does. 
But people give because they want to appease the conscience. Well, yeah, we've given because, you know, we've given because we've given. Because he asked. So we've given. At least I've done my bit for charity. Done my bit for charity, Lord. Gave you me five quid. Saved another five for me burger on the way home. God says, I didn't ask you to give that. They manipulated you to give it. And they told you you'll get blessed if you give it. But when the whole, what does the Bible say? Each man, listen, should decide what he's going to give before he comes to church. And then give it. Now, if you decided what you were going to give in church, you wouldn't feel manipulated to give more than you need to give. Because you've already sought the heart of God and you know that when you release your finance, this is what the Holy Ghost told me to do. So you know you're being spirit-led. But most people are not spirit-led when it comes to giving. They feel condemned. They feel bludgeoned. They feel manipulated. So they give. And the Bible says, I only receive a joyful giver. So either way, you don't get it. The preacher gets his Rolex watch. Can't we say it? Rolex watch. You get Timex. True. It's true. Give, but decide before. So then you don't have to be moved by men. Sorry, did I just give you some wisdom then? Sorry. Social work. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So they wasn't ignoring the need. They were committed to seeing the need fulfilled, finished. Because they knew this is where the Holy Ghost was moving. So they were committed to see it finished, but they wasn't willing to stay there and let this become a social work that was going to take all the resources in the house. True? You see, you get an evangelist as a pastor, you're going to put all your money into winning souls. Okay, if you get a pastor who all he does, he wants to love and care for you. All your money is going to be in loving, caring. True. If you get a teacher as a pastor, all your money is going to be sent is put on his training. And if I get a kids worker who becomes a pastor, all your money is going into kids. Why? Because that's where the passion is. It's not wrong to have that passion, but we must know where the Holy Ghost is leading. We can't give according to my character and gift. We give according to where the Holy Ghost is leading. So when we took our offering on Christmas, Holy Ghost said, leave it in the bank. You said, well, you can't leave it in the bank. Why not? The Holy Ghost told me to leave it in the bank. Five grand was sat in the bank. It was there for four, five months. But when I'm on assignment, I see the need the Holy Ghost said, that's where you're supposed to sow it. For five months, he was sat there in the, in the bank. Was I quick to give it away? No. Was I holding it back? No. But it goes in the right place. Now that will yield this church a harvest. A harvest. So picking it up, verse 5. This proposal pleased the, pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith. And the Holy Ghost, also Philip, Procurius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, and Antioch, from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed. Now, what did the apostles do? They laid hands on them and transferred grace 
under apostleship. They transferred the grace and apostleship onto the next group of people. So watch. Look what it did. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All because they functioned under heaven, heaven was involved, grace and apostleship was transferred, they moved where the Holy Ghost was moving, they did what the Holy Ghost told them to do, and straight away results followed. When you can transfer grace and apostleship onto a church, your church should begin to grow. Hello? Your ch- Listen, are you ready for it? Your church will not only begin to grow, we don't want a church that will grow. What? We want a church that will grow and go. I said to a pastor only the other week, if I give you 50 people, what are you going to do with them? He didn't have a clue. So, well, you don't need them then, do you? Most pastors want people so they'll pay the bills. You give me 50 people, you're inauthentic straight away. You're in. Because if you won't be trained, you're not going anywhere. You've got to be trained to go. This is the, this, don't call yourself a Christian if you won't go. You've got to be a goer, a grower. Let my people grow. Let my people grow. And they can't grow. Also, there's no point in them going if they won't grow. Is this making sense? And the disciples, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Can you imagine some of the priests in this area? In Manchester, begin to suddenly get convicted and begin to bring their hearts and lives into the right alignment. Can you imagine the congregations get reformed? There's a move of God beginning to flow. But all this happened because some men decided that they're not going to stay at this level. They're going to go to the next level and we're going to transfer grace and apostleship. Now can you understand why I wrote that question? It has to be something transferred. Grace is saving grace. But then there is apostolic grace to take the work forward. So when they laid their hands on these men, the first thing they did was they took hold of what the apostles themselves were doing, but they gave it to the next guys and they took it further. It grew and grew and grew. So when you transfer accurately, you should go further than me. It has to be. That's called transfer. You don't go further with your... If your kids don't go further than you, then they haven't learned properly. Our kids should supersede us. They should go. I expect those kids in that room to become our leaders. I do. I expect those kids in there to be the prophesiers, the prophets, the priests, the kings in this nation. Why? Because they'll go further than us. They haven't got religious baggage. They haven't got religious baggage. So we must understand that grace and apostleship must be given. When we live under an open heaven, we will learn to discover the divine protection, provision, and progress. 
Amen. He'll be the one leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll be the one. He'll be the one, he'll be the one protecting us in our sleep. He'll be the one interceding on behalf of the saints. The Bible says he lives to intercede for us. He will be the one who is holding back the enemy from derailing our lives. He'll be the one healing our children. Oh yeah, no, no, oh yeah, I want my kids healed. Yeah, right, you've got to have heaven involved. You've got to have heaven involved in you so that you can pass it on to your children. Amen? He'll be the one bringing our children back to faith. Oh, we all like that. But you've got to, you've got, you've got to remain in faith. You know, let me say this. If you think by bludgering your kids to come to church. Now, when, I, when our kids were young, they got no option. They're coming to church. Why? Because I'm parent. You're not staying at home. There comes a point when Scott, my eldest lad, was 16 years of age. And I said to him, son, a new revelation's going to dawn on you this morning. Me and mum are going to church. We won't be waking you up. If you get up, you follow us. Great. If you don't, it's your choice. You're a man. So he went, dad, okay. I understand. He came. He came on his own. You cannot force your kids to come to church forever and ever and ever. Amen. When they're young, you bring them. Absolutely. Because that's the role. But when they get to an age, when you let them off the lead, they're going to make the choice. Now, what you did all that time you had them will determine whether when they get off the lead, they'll either stay or they'll run. Yeah? You can't just bring your kid to church and just say, stay at church. God's going to kill you if you don't come to church. You know, the kid's going to say, gee, mum, why didn't I think of that myself? You've got to be involved in your kids. Teaching them the ways of God. They'll, I'll tell you, they'll remain. Right now, I've got two kids who are away from God. So I'm not standing there as the pervert model. But I am standing there as the pervert model. Because I didn't stop. And I'm seeing God come to my kids. And they will come. Because God's already promised me he will visit my kids on a one-to-one basis. And he will speak with them. He promised me about all the kids who are backslidden in this church. God will come to them face to face and speak with them. Every one of our kids is going to get a, 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 an encounter. Kids from the, from the youth, who, who were, when Andy was the youth leader, all those kids will come back. I talked to Wayne Davis only the other day. I'm telling you, they're coming back. Why? Because that tree of Thameside is going to reap, it's going to give its fruit. Kids are coming back, but you must remain. You must remain. And what do you want them to come back to? To be like you? Please. Go on. Go further, son. Go further. My, my mother did not know what she was breeding when she bred me. You know, it takes a work of grace for your family to recognize you and submit to you as a spiritual leader. Because you're always mum's boy, aren't you? Mum will say, you're not too old enough to get a smack. And she was right. But you know, she always, she called me a pastor. She said, you're my pastor. I just looked at her. I went, we'll test this one. <laughs> we'll test this one, mother. He'll be the one bringing our children back to faith. He'll be the one leading us to Zion. Amen? How many of you believe that? Will you give me two more minutes? Okay, glad you, he'll give me two minutes. Put your hands up.
That's two, four, six, eight. I've got 20 minutes now. <laughs> you have another one, Alvin? You all put two and two. I can add two and two. I've got 20 minutes. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, and we'll finish on this, I promise. When you live under an open heaven, you experience the following. And we're pressing into this with all our hearts, with all our souls. We're pressing into this because we won't stop until we see this dimension explode. Amen. But you have come to Mount Zion. What kind of mountain is it? It's a heavenly Jerusalem. Heaven's involved. It's not natural Jerusalem. We don't need to go and take a plane. We don't need to go there and, and do the tour. This is where he was. I'm not interested in Jerusalem in that sense. Tourism mean. I mean I'm, I'm interested in terms of his political and, and spiritual uh, destiny, but not in terms of a tourism. I'd rather take me to Spain or somewhere else than go to Israel personally. That's me. But if you like it, great. Knock yourself out. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, You've, you've come to, a thousand, to thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of men, the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you don't refuse him when he speaks. So what are you receiving? You realize that you camp in the city of the living God rather than just attend a church. Hello? This, is just, this church is part of a city of the living God. The Bible says that you will build cities, you will inherit cities you never built. Zion is not a church. Zion is the city of God. So when we come under Zion's dimensions and heaven starts to invade, God just includes us in his city. Yes? Not just an individual house. We're not just... God, God's everywhere, but he's looking to build a city. And God's given you a city that you couldn't build. You, could, you don't build Zion, you enter it. God builds Zion, you enter it. Amen? When you come to this place, you come to a joyful assembly. You know, joy is a real factor missing in most churches. So many faces, so many Christians with lemon in the face got the joy of the Lord on me. Tell your face. Don't put miserable people on the door. Welcome to the joy of the Lord. Flipping heck. Taxi, get me out. There's more joy in the pub than there is in the house. Tell you, dear me. You've come to the joyful assembly. Joy must be in our worship. Joy must be when you go in the cafe and you're talking to people. When you're talking to people, it can't be, yeah, I'm all right, yeah, great, yeah. Here, shove a panini in your mouth. You've come to a place, it says, where the angelic and the saints join together in worship. So when you begin to worship and, you, and people are seeing angelic, you don't get, you, don't get, you know... Dissuaded, what's it? Distracted by angelic. Why? What it's saying is God is in this place so much so that the angels want to join in and experience what you're experiencing. The angels will be involved in our worship, and some of you will begin to see them. 
clearly you begin to see as you begin to worship, heaven gets involved. The angelic host come down and worship with you. Wow. Because the frequency is set in the people. So this morning when you, when you begin to worship and everyone's locking onto heaven and they're pulling it down, the frequency is, is harmonious. And heaven goes, whoa, we're in it. We pull heaven in. I want a church like that. I don't want all things bright and beautiful. The Lord God made them all. Dear me, I left that one as a kid. Amen? We've come a place where we become God's top priority. God pursues us. Yeah? Why? Because we become the firstborn sons. We've come to a place where Jesus himself has written your name, my name, our name in his own book, by his own blood, by his own hand. And it's taking soon with two G's, Jesus. He knows how to spell my name. He knows my name. No name you've got is too difficult for him to spell. You know what he does? Mine. He writes your name? Mine. Even, even easier? Ours. Higginson with two Jesus. Holy Spirit says, we know who you are. We've written. You're down in the book. So when that great name, when, that, when he looks out and he calls out, Higginson! I don't know how many Higginsons will be up there, but I know there's one. There's definitely one. Well, my mother's already up there. She'll be there first. Where have you been, Artoni? That's what she'll say. You've come to God. When you enter this dimension, you've come to, the, you've come to God, not the preacher. You've come to God, not the preacher. Amen? You've, not come to, you've come to God, not the musicians. You've come to God, not the cafe. You've come to God... Not the welcome team. You've come to God. God is here. Right? It's a shame sometimes we've got to go through people to find him, but he's here. God is here. God is not in the counseling. God is in God. All these things are necessary at times for our lives, but they, God, those things must never replace God. We've come to God, the big G. Not Ali G, the big G. Amen? When you come to, when you come in this dimension, you come to a place where the spirits of righteous men are made perfect. God's working on our hearts. When you come to this place, Jesus is our mediator. He speaks to God for me. I don't have to go into a little booth with a priest. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been six years since my last confession. He says, open your mouth, confess to him. As I confess to him, he speaks to the Father. The Father says, forgive him. He speaks for me. That Father doesn't speak for me. That Father does. The Holy Ghost. Oh, I need Father, I've not, I've not had my last confession. Jesus says, you don't need him. Speak with me, son. Your dialogue, I've changed the address. It's not here, it's there. Speak with me. I tell you what, most guys don't want to speak with God. They'd rather speak with the Father. Because they fear God. But if they understood him as father, they'd understood that they don't have to fear him. He loves them. Amen. So Jesus is our mediator. And the last one, it's the place where the blood speaks. A better word than Abel. Cain 
slew Abel. Cain was a murderer. The blood, that was the first sign. The blood was on the ground. He was crying. He cried out for vengeance. Jesus Christ heard that frequency and changed that frequency by putting himself on the cross. He avenged the blood. He became the blood. He became the sacrifice. That blood now speaks, and it's that blood he uses to write your name. It's not in ink, your name. It's written in blood, his blood. Let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. So heaven's going to be involved. Heaven has to be involved, amen? Has to be involved. Just raise your hands, if you will. The Bible says, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea, Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Heaven was involved. All kinds of people were listening, but heaven was involved. The power of God was present. That's what we want. The power of God to be present. So right now, as you raise your hand, acknowledge heaven right now of your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to be your leader. Holy Spirit, be, be my leader. I want you to lead, lead my life. I want you to take me into this dimension of Zion so I can live on a higher plane. I want you to set, listen, this is what you pray. Set my heart to heaven's frequency. Set my thinking towards heaven's frequency. I think your thoughts, Holy Ghost. I think your will. I think your purpose, Holy Spirit. Not my will. I, I, conform, I want to conform to your will, Holy Ghost. Change my heart, tune my heart so I, can, so I can respond to this message as it's being spoken. Lord, I want to be like those disciples. I want to receive this grace and apostleship for my life. If it doesn't come on my life, I can't go to another level. So Holy Ghost, this morning, change my heart, set my heart, set the frequency in my heart. Go on, church, come on. So when I move, when heaven moves, I'm, I'm instantly it's got my attention. Holy Ghost. Tune my heart. Tune my heart. Tune my heart. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Father, I pray right now, the Spirit of the Lord, to seal your word. Set our hearts... Set our hearts right in your midst, O oh God, this morning. Every high thing must come down. That means my opinions. Start with my opinions. Every high thing must come down. Holy Spirit, set, start with my opinions. Start with my philosophy. Start with my, my opinions come from my pain. My opinions come from my background, my experiences. But, oh God, I'm asking you to set my heart to my future, not to my past. Set my children's future to the, to the, not by the past, but by their future, oh God, what you're doing in our lives. Whatever's taken place in our past, Holy Ghost, we cut it off. We no longer choose to work from that place. You're pulling us into our future. And that takes a frequency for me to understand. Holy Ghost, today... Let me see 
my future. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. I ask in Jesus' name that you do this before this day's out, oh God. Do a work in my heart. Not just in church, but do it in my heart. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.